The views and opinions expressed in the following podcast do not necessarily reflect those of the producers, the affiliates, or digital platforms hosting this podcast. All content is for the purposes of education, conjecture, and at times entertainment. We promote inclusiveness and diversity. Enjoy the show. Welcome to Into the Deep with Jay Caster. Welcome to Into the Deep. I'm Jay Costa. I am so delighted about today's guest. She's a certified spiritual teacher, Reiki master, and hypnotherapist. She's certified in regression healing and past life regressions. She's an author and a speaker and a podcast host. Today's guest is Wendy Rose Williams. She's the co-host of the Waking Up Spiritually podcast and the author of The Flow One, Plymouth Plantation, as well as Regression Healing One, The Huntsman, The Lord High Mayor, and World War II Soldier. We talk about so much in this episode. We talk about how Wendy helps people from all around the world heal and release energy that's no longer serving them. We talk about releasing pain, anxiety, and depression, and that the true goal is to live a happier, healthier life filled with purpose. Wendy shared some very personal stories and her journey during two near-death experiences and how all these different moments have placed her on this path as a past life adventure guide. So join me as we seek light and journey into the deep with Wendy Rose Williams. Enjoy. If you could, for our listeners and our viewers, could you share who you are and what it is you do? Sure. I'm a past life adventure guide. And what I mean by that is I help people release energy that doesn't serve them anymore. So examples being chronic pain, anxiety, depression, uh, and also just feeling stuck, not feeling able to go forward, uh, whether it's to start that business or that new relationship or release that first book, whatever it might be. So that that's me in a nutshell. Wonderful. It's fantastic. And how long have you been doing this and been active I've been in this? doing this for about seven years now. Wow. Amazing. And do you find it just as rewarding now as you did then or more? I do. That, that's <laughs> such a good question. I do. And the reason is when you have experienced one session with a client, you've experienced one session, meaning they are all different mm. because each one is architected by that person's higher self and guides. So I never get bored because there's always just wonderful new information coming through. And I really love and appreciate that so much. Mm, I love that. And what got you on this trajectory? What, what led you down this path? Yes. Um, what got me started on this was having my own uh, first past life regression. And it just was so surprising, so helpful, so meaningful to be able to release at that time, 50 years worth of anxiety in a two hour session was like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. That was, that was the proverbial rabbit out of the hat. 
<laughs> as as we opened with. So that was just it was just a really big deal because it allowed me to enjoy life more, to be able to be more willing to try new things without so much overthinking and so much being stuck in the left brain, get more into my heart. So it really was, was life-changing for me. That's awesome. Would you be able to maybe walk us through what that process feels like or what it looks like? Sure. Um, what happened for me was I met the soulmate that had the contract to wake me up spiritually in a really surprising way. And then just going through that session, going through that process with the therapist that he found and recommended for me, because he had already been having these types of sessions himself. And he introduced me to Michael Newton's journey of souls. So being able to read that summary of Dr. Newton's entire career, because he wrote it when he was getting close to retirement or at the end of his career, and he had seen 7,000 clients. So to just read like the most interesting summaries and, and also to kind of like the fabric that he wove together of what was the common denominator of people going home and realizing, oh my gosh, everything is absolutely going to be all right. And then being able to journey up to the light, up to home, heaven, whatever your belief system is. So that was just really, really uh, a big deal. And for me, I'll, I'll paint you the picture of where I was when I went for that first session. Uh, exhausted, hardworking, single mom, left brain, had an MBA degree since I was 22. Wow. Didn't know if any of this was going to work for me, but just felt really, really drawn to uh, be uh, to save the money and go for that session and just releasing the outcome because you absolutely have to release the outcome because we never know what's going to happen. So just being able to experience and hearing because the session was recorded and hearing my higher self come in for the first time and being able to hear the wisdom and the different cadence of that energy uh, was really life-changing for me because I now could prove to myself that I did have a higher self and I did have some wisdom that I could tap into in this very meaningful way. So it was just that letting go and then uh, receiving and getting those, those wonderful blessings of that information that I needed and the healing that I needed. Absolutely. At what point did you realize that it was working? Like, was it in the middle of the session? Was it after the fact? It was, it was pretty quickly. At mm -hmm. first, I just felt heavier and heavier, uh, you know, kind of drowsy and started relaxing in just a meaningful way as we were going through the visualizations and the exercises to help me do that. And that surprised me because here, you know, I've never met this person before. I'm in downtown Seattle. I'm in an office I've never been to before. So to be able to feel that and what really proved it to me, because I, I, I was, again, kind of like seeking that proof. I just couldn't stop myself. <laughs> I wanted I wanted the validation and I had an eye mask on. 
And at a certain point, it's just like my nose, the bridge of my nose was getting really itchy from the eye mask. And I tried to lift my right hand because I'm right-handed. And I was like, oh, wow, that weighs like 10,000 pounds. (laughs) So I remember I took my left hand and I'm like trying to raise my right hand with, I don't know why I didn't just try and use my left hand, but I'm not (laughs) left-handed. So I'm like trying to raise it. And the therapist is like, you know, what, what are you doing? Can I help you get more comfortable? I said, I'm just trying to, just trying to um, get the eye mask more comfortable because the bridge of my nose is, is itchy. But that was the proof I wanted and had asked for of an altered state. Mm. Some people feel heavy like that. Other people feel blissfully light. Uh, so it, it seems to go one way or the other, but just something to show us we're in, in in this altered, altered state. For a lot of people, it's like being drowsy, like just before you fall asleep at night, or like when you're first waking up in the morning and you're you're kind of like groggy and like you know, half awake, half asleep. It's that that's that's all oh. the state is. So people say, well, I'm not sure I can be hypnotized. Um, You know, I'm not sure I want to dance like a chicken. (laughs) It's like there is no uh, Las Vegas entertainment uh, (laughs) hypnosis going on here. It's this is therapeutic hypnotherapy that we're talking about with your soul's wisdom and accessing your soul's wisdom and your guides. Mm. So um, and just bringing in that divine light and divine energy. Oh gosh, I love it. And it's such, you know, it's profound work that I I feel like, you know, maybe only within the past few decades, people have really been starting to dive into and really accept even. Yes, yes, you're you're right. I mean, there were certain books that just helped be uh, breakthroughs for a lot of people. Uh, Dr. Newton's Journey of Soul, certainly that I mentioned. Uh, Dr. Brian Weiss's Many Lives, Many Masters. And more in the pop culture vein, thank you to Shirley MacLaine for Out on a Limb um, and talking about her experiences and being a spiritual seeker herself because she helped um, in her fun-loving kind of kooky way, I think she helped normalize it and make it accessible for a lot of people. That's a great point. You know, I think that's one thing that uh, a great point that a lot of people might not necessarily think about or associate it with, but you're so right. And and just that pop culture and the mainstream catching on to things that maybe were once fringe or seemingly fringe, you know? Yes, yes, exactly. Exactly. And also Dolores Cannon's work uh, mm-hmm. with quantum healing hypnotherapy, and she wrote 20 books, wow. which was just a big accomplishment. Um, and all that she did with with the hypnotherapy clients herself, as well as training a therapist, because she, like Dr. Newton and like Dr. Weiss, just got to a point where they had a year waiting list. And that's not okay. That's not appropriate. You're not helping people if they're waiting that long. Obviously, you have just, you know, totally filled, filled your books, filled your funnel. And, and it's, it's time to consider, should I be training other practitioners for this beautiful work? It's a, it's a great point And a great perspective to look at it is like, if we are truly trying to help some folks out and having a waiting list like that, you know, we're not able to reach them. And if we can pass on our knowledge, right. What is it doing for 
you know, our life, our karma, you know, if it's our karma, if it's our past life, if it's adding to our life, just to give, you know, uh, I think that's a wonderful, wonderful perspective on that. Do you, do you find that you encounter folks that maybe you're apprehensive at first? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Some of the top concerns I hear are, well, gee, I'm very left-brained or I'm just like real high energy. My brain is busy, busy, busy all the time. I don't know if I'll be able to relax and do anything meaningful uh, during the session. So that's one of the concerns I hear. Um, Another is, well, what if I just make stuff up? So people are worried about being too imaginative, too creative. And what if they're making up like false stories? And I love Dr. Weiss's uh, comment on the latter, because, you know, what if it is a fantasy? And his answer is, well, what if it is? It still can be very useful. Why that fantasy? Why that story? So just follow the breadcrumbs a little bit as practitioner and work with that client and explore it and see why it's coming up. And if it's not, um, if it's not going to be useful, it peters out very quickly because the person just, we just, we just can't sustain uh, these long, long stories. There's just not enough meat on the bone. There's just not enough, enough information. Um, You know, maybe the person had wanted to be Cleopatra. So they come into it with either this really strong secret wish, or they just straight out say it, gosh, I really think I was Cleopatra and I just want to find out more about it. And I want to find the proof um, of, of that, you know, that, that time period and that memory and that, that storyline. And another, uh, way you can discern is the emotions Mm. is that person feeling and expressing appropriate emotions or is it just kind of rote is it just um you know very very factual and kind of feeling like oh well gee maybe they read about this or saw a movie or whatever it might be they're just kind of reciting that and honestly i've not I'm trying to think, have I experienced a single client like that? I have not. I've read about them. I've heard about them um, from other therapists that occasionally it presents. But just be kind to yourself. Just give yourself permission. Uh, you're not going to harm anyone. Just, just give yourself permission to take this magic carpet ride and see what comes up. And you've got a you've got a facilitator to work with you, and they're going to have skill, and you've chosen that person carefully, and they're they're going to just work with you well. Just have some faith and trust. Right on. I think that's you know challenging for most folks, right? That trust piece, you know. Yes, it is. It is, and yes, we do need to be discerning. It's not like we are meant to throw out the left part of the brain. We're not meant to, uh, you know, have that just be not be useful to us because it's extremely useful, but it's not, it's not very um, wonderful in life to be living so much in that place where we're just tearing everything apart and trying to fit everything into a spreadsheet. Let's, let's engage that beautiful uh, creative part of our right brain. And let's get to that place where we're in our center brain 
and they're both balanced and both working for us. And we're, you know, we've got all the neural pathways and we're just going back and forth, zing, 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 like the best ever um, old pinball uh, game. <laughs> right. <laughs> and just, you know, able to, to, to fire um, on all those, all those neurons and all those pistons, so to speak. Well, you, in your opinion, what do you think are some maybe best practices that people could maybe utilize in their daily lives to maybe try and get that right and left brain going together? Somehow? Oh, that's a fantastic question. Just to have some spiritual practice, some energy practice, and it doesn't have to be, I realize people can be very busy and go, oh my gosh, I can't do one more thing. <laughs> um, and it really isn't about doing, it's more about being. So just to take that 15 minutes a day, you know, perhaps it's first thing in the morning, that's wonderful, that's ideal, or maybe it needs to be at night when you're winding down, or maybe you carve it into midday or lunchtime somehow, uh, wherever it is, but just to meditate, just to have a breath practice, just to take a walk in nature, uh, do some yoga or movement, whatever you know, drumming, chanting, whatever it might be. And you don't have to do the same thing every day either, but just something to be just clearing, clearing the print buffer <laughs> so that that poor thing isn't all jammed up with like 500 print jobs trying to come through that, that jammed up printer because it's just like, do, 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 do all the time. And it just, um, you know, our, our brain and our bodies don't appreciate that. So finding some way to ground your energy, clear your energy, raise your vibration, um, you know, in some simple ways. And again, um, I was a very, very overscheduled, busy, busy working mother, single mother for many years with also, you know, home and property and animals to take care of, uh, an older um, mom living next door. So there just was a lot going on, commuting, being in the office five days a week. And I just learned to breathe. I had forgotten how to breathe and also learned to do some of this um, as I was showering. Okay, I'm now I'm now visualizing, I'm clearing my energy and any energy that doesn't serve me, energy I've outgrown, energy that's not mine, energy in combination with someone else's down the drain now. That took me no longer, but it was just, it was just like being in my energy, you know, for a bit and being more conscious of it. Um, I also did uh, a violet flame practice for 21 minutes a day for over a year and was just listening to this recording to do that. And some of it was while I was brushing my teeth. <laughs> it's just, you just you just fit it in however you can, or while you're commuting, mm. um, you know, if you're able to put those um, headphones in, um, you know, whether you're driving or someone else's, or you're on the train or the bus or whatever it might be, but just, just finding ways to fit it in. So um, you've got that spiritual practice and that uplift. Yeah. And, and, why do you think it's so challenging sometimes for people to maybe feel comfortable or vulnerable even to find some sort of spiritual practice or to gravitate towards something like that? I think we are so uh, socialized in Western, in Western society to mm -hmm. go, 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 and to be just setting all these goals and objectives 
And I'm not saying to turn into a couch potato and expect, oh, well, the universe owes me everything. It's just going to land on my lap. Uh, I'm not saying to go to that extreme, but there's certainly a lot of balance in between those two (laughs) silly examples I just gave. And I think also uh, Western societies just put a lot of value on the uh, jobs and the careers and the positions that tend to be pretty left-brained, you know, the scientist, mm. the physician, the attorney, uh, those, those types of things versus our wonderful artists and writers and photographers and yoga masters and, and just all, all, you know, those, those types of things. Um, so oh. pop culture, pop yeah. culture's gotten pretty, uh, darn strong and pretty wacky in a mm. lot of ways. Yeah, I'd have to agree. I mean, even just thinking about just the you know the practice of Reiki and how you know you know hearing about it even thirty years ago, comparative to you know now and how people yes. are so much more accepting and open to so the so much more mainstream. I mean, yeah. Reiki is even being reimbursed reimbursed by some insurance payers. Because it's it's part of a hospital program. It might be part of hospice. Uh, and that means that they have proven the clinical efficacy of it for a, a health insurance company to be paying for it. They're proving the person is doing better, whatever stage it is. So, you know, perhaps they're needing less pain medications, perhaps they're needing less of whatever services, because they're able to get that Reiki in a very gentle way to just support them. Um, at that end of life stage, or perhaps it's the cancer patient or the cardiac patient. Those seems to be the three places in the hospitals where Reiki is being the most um, accepted and called on. Wow. And it's, it's, you know, it's, it's interesting because, you know, we, as a culture, we, we so quick to, you know, think about a pharmaceutical solution to something, right. We're just like almost programmed to think, well, there's a, there's a pill for that, or there's this for that, but to actually think about some energy fields and thinking about, you know, the body itself and the earth or, you know, nature and what have you, how, how do we try and get to open up people's hearts and minds to accepting that this is something that's been around for thousands of years? I think that's the million dollar question in many ways. How can we have a broader integrative uh, medicine model with more focus on wellness, mm. but let's be, let's be real right now. That's not how our system's set up because wellness doesn't pay. Mm. Um, so illness, um, sickness pays. That's what the DRGs are for. That's what the diagnosis related groupings are for is, Oh, well, there's this disease or there's this broken limb or, you know, whatever's going on. That's, that's how the system is, is, is paying and it's, I'm not saying there's no place for medication because sure. medication right. absolutely can be useful, 100%. very useful, uh, you know, whether it's short-term or long-term, but looking to integrate it and integrating in those wonderful uh, alternative health uh, practices too, you know, the massage, the yoga, uh, all the, you know, all the different things, the chiropractic. Um, the acupuncture, the acupressure, 
uh, whatever, whatever it might be, bringing all those things in. Can we get to the place where the sound healing, the sound bath, uh, you know, the hypnotherapy, can we, can we get to that place? Um, so some very, um, big changes are gonna, gonna need to come. Um, because we're we're seeing we're seeing our system break down. We're seeing for the first time. This dismayed me as the mother of two lovely young women in their twenties. Their life expectancy is shorter than mine was. When 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 from the date when I was born in 1961, my life expectancy as a woman was uh, and is longer than theirs is. That is wrong. And I realized you reach a tipping point because we used to live into our thirties. And then it was, you know, a big deal when we <laughs> had outrun enough saber toothed tigers and, right. and, you know, we're surviving childbirth. Cause look back on the 1500s, 1600s, 1700s, women were dying from um, childbirth right. um, was, was the number one thing that was, was taking them out. Um, but my, for my daughters to have a shorter lifespan than was protected for me being born in 1995 and 1998, it's like, wow, have we reached the tipping point on life expectancy because of childhood diabetes, uh, you know, because of so many, so many things that are very, very different. Look at the allergies, look at the asthma. Uh, you know, look at the things um, that just, I mean, it did not used to be a thing in my day and probably in yours to no. not be able to take a peanut butter sandwich into the school. Right. They served Most them. kids took peanut butter and jelly. <laughs> right. It just, you know, it just, it was popular. It was cheap. It was easy. It didn't go bad. It right. just, that was like a staple um, of our, of our little lunch boxes. Yep. <laughs> So you got good trades for a good peanut butter and jelly. Oh, hundred percent. Or sometimes somebody got extra, extra crazy and they had peanut butter and fluff and you're like, whoa. Right, right, right. <laughs> Stop right. the presses. What's this? I yeah. know, I know. Um, and then by the time my daughters were in, in um, baby parent class with me, which was for uh, birth to three-year-olds, at first it was, because we were there for, for six years because of the age of my, my daughter's. And at first it was, there were like a few placemats for certain kids that were marked uh, peanut allergy and, and that, you know, you couldn't serve it and had to be aware of who's unusual child. And in that six years that we were there, and then it had become totally peanut free uh, because it was, it could be an in uh, just, just smelling it. It could be, it wasn't just ingesting, it was inhalation. So the bodies, the systems, and the food supply have all really changed. We didn't used to take need to take supplements like we do now, but the food supply has changed so much. And our bodies are working so hard as we try and repair and regenerate our full DNA and RNA that we haven't had before. There's no such thing as junk DNA. It just means it hasn't been figured out. I believe it's our full DNA uh, working to be restored. That's a great perspective. That's a great point. And, you know, to think about it from that. I like that. Going back, no pun intended, to past life regressions. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'll um, take you way back. <laughs> yeah, take way back. So, yeah, walk, walk us through that. Like what, you know, 
you know, we're talking about like possibly even having like, you know, could imagination, right? You could have something. There's obviously clearly a connection as to why you might have this vision or this feeling that emotive aspect to it. But you, you brought up earlier that correlation between possible, like, you know, having anxiety or having maybe some ailments like pains and discomfort. Absolutely. Walk us through that. Sure. So what we do is we set an intent for the session and I know what the person would like to work on. And then I always book sessions at least a week out. You know, sometimes they're four or six weeks out. But part of the reason for doing that is I'm asking that client's higher self and my higher self to start working together. And I'm also asking all the guides to please come in. And the person then um, submits their list of questions for their higher self and guides because past life regression, it's not a psychic reading. It's not the practitioner telling you, well, gosh, you used to be uh, Cleopatra's maid, so you probably hate housework now because you just did so much of it. (laughs) Again, to just make up uh, an example. Um, So we know what the person wants to work on. And typically it falls into kind of the big three categories of relationships, health, and then wealth, finances, career. And then there's a miscellaneous too of a lot of people really want to know their life purpose, Mm. to understand more about their life purpose. And are they on track with that? Um, and so that can be a fascinating question. Some people have great questions about have they transmuted their karma and are they able to move on to the dharmic path or do they have soul contracts that are holding them back or that might be helping them progress. So just that whole topic of soul contracts that we set up before we incarnate and soulmates. That's always a rich, rich fodder is the topic of soulmates. So what we do the day of the session, um, I work with people who are doing either a two and a half hour or four hour one-on-one session. We do it via Zoom and it's recorded for them as an audio file. And, or we might be doing the three-month program or the 12-month program, but say we're doing the single session. We do four things during the session. We first go to a healing temple. Uh, We do some breath practice. They're just relaxing at home, um, you know, just, just tucked away quietly in their bedroom or their favorite couch or lounge chair or whatever might have their animal or animals with them. Um, that sort of thing, but just, you know, quiet, quiet, uh, time and place to relax. And so we go to this healing temple and I help them, uh, get to that place and find that place and describe it so that I'm able to help them kind of solidify that more. And then we do three things in the healing temple. We bring in a series of colored healing lights and each light goes to a specific place on their body to help heal it through all space and time, through any life form they've ever chosen on planet, off planet, any dimension. So you can just see the breadth of that. And that the healing lights might last for five minutes. It might be 45 minutes. And that's the beauty of working one-on-one because the higher self and guides, they just they just plan, plan the session and where it's most beneficial for the person to be. So it's no, I'm not running it by the clock of, okay, we're going to do 12 and a half minutes in the healing temple. And then, you know, meet with the guide is, is 17 minutes. It's, it's, it's more fluid than that, mm. um, which is, which is wonderful. So each person gets what they need. 
Second thing we do in the healing temple is we look at the person's elements, their fire and water, earth and air, and how balanced are those? They might be wonderfully balanced, but most people benefit from an adjustment um, of fire versus water or earth versus air, if not both. And then we work with the seven major chakras in their body and just make sure that those are moving well, that they can spin both directions, that they're um, just nice, like, like a nice smooth record versus the skippy record or a record that's like too small for the record player or too big for the record player or misshapen somehow. Mm-hmm. And I love how people are able to tell me and they're surprised by it. They don't have to have any knowledge or experience working with their chakras Because most people, if they haven't trained for Reiki, I can't just say to them, okay, put your hands on your root chakra now. How's your root chakra doing? (laughs) So that's why we work with it and place it on a record player. Mm. I do have to double check with the youngest clients and say, okay, please (laughs) tell me, can can you relate to the concept of a record player? Do you know what a record (laughs) player is? You know, you have to just ask gently if you're working with an 18 year old, because some might just not relate to it at all. Right. Um, and then, then I have to go, go a different way. Um, luckily so far, everyone has been able to relate to it. Um, so we then work with their chakras and just wrap things up in the healing temple and make sure that they know how to do this themselves too, because mm-hmm. they might want to meditate in the future, do that, or as they're falling asleep at night, just ask to go to their healing temple so that the healing can continue. And they've just got more techniques now. They've got more, more fun ways to visualize taking care of themselves. So more ways of being, just being healthy, being an energetically healthy being. The second thing we do of the four is we get them um, where they're able to connect and reunite with their guide. And a lot of people love that because they say, well, I didn't know for sure who my guide was. I had like a feeling um, or an impression, like in a dream or out of the corner of my eye, or I had this certain experience, but they just, they just need more, more confidence with it, more, more experience with it. So being able to see their guide, agree on what name they're going to use And they then receive a gift from their guide that's going to be really practical in their life today. That can be just amazing and really moving to see them receive just what they need and a message from their guide. And again, it's it's the guide speaking through the client. It's not me saying, your guide says this, your guide wants you to know that. So again, it's really empowering. And people don't have to be a channel per se to be able to do this work and speak in this way. So that is so liberating for people to know, oh my gosh, I've got all this amazing knowledge within me and these abilities. So that's the second thing we do. And now because they've had a chance to receive some healing and to connect with their guide and feel that beautiful, loving wisdom and support for them and that they're not alone in life even though we all go through periods of feeling very alone, very cut off, misunderstood, whatever it might be. We've all got those moments in life. It's part of the human condition. Um, but they've, you know, they've got that, that loving and, and, and wise support there for them. So they're now ready to go to the time and place 
with the most healing and information for their life today. So that might be scenes earlier in this lifetime because many people have drama, trauma to clean up and just just being able to see it from the perspective now because we've just got more uh, more skills and abilities as we're as we're progressing through life and can reframe what seemed super upsetting when you were 21 years old or 12 years old or 6 months old or in your mother's womb whatever time period it might have been or other people will go straight into the past life or past lives because you can see more than one there's not a limit on it certain people are just very succinct and facile with it, um, and they'll just they'll be able to experience several. Uh, or people might go to a parallel or simultaneous life because time's continuous. It's all quantum anyway. Mm-hmm. But you know, if we, if we want to keep it simple with the human construct of past, present, future, that's perfect too. It's whatever's right for that person where their psyche is um, at that 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 time. Some people make this cool uh, hop, skip, jump to future life potentiality. And because things are just going smoothly in the now and they don't have a lot of past life energy to release and they don't have um, really neat abilities to bring forward. They've already got all those pieces going. So they might skip forward five years from now, 10, 20 years from now, or to a future life, a hundred years from now, 500 years from now. So that's really neat. I don't see that as often, but I do now offer future life progression sessions. So of course, that's where we're purposefully doing that type of work, either further into this life or into a future future life. Um, so we go through go through those experiences, and then we purposefully go to the last day of a past life. Make sure the person is very comfortable, that they know they're an eternal soul and that it's going to be just giving thanks to that body. You know, thank that body for housing our beautiful soul, for all the lessons and the experiences that we went through together and just leaving it with no regrets. We raise our vibration and frequency. We go up to the light. We float up above the trees and we go home. And a lot of people are like, Oh my gosh, you know, to be out of my body where I just have this chronic low back pain or, or just this, you know, trick left knee or whatever it might be that can just feel so amazing to them. And we can help kind of, um, uh, cement in that, that feeling of what it feels like to release that. So we're now up with the light and I ask a greeter or a guide to welcome the, the person home. It might be their guide we already met, or it could be a different greeter. Maybe their grandmother that they've been missing so much, or, or their favorite dog from their childhood. Greeter can be, can be anyone, um, known or, or unknown. And I ask that greeter if they'll be so kind as to be our quality control check, our QC check. And I ask them anything further to tell us about the past life or lives we saw. Did we get everything straight? Did we connect all the dots well? Did we miss anything? Um, Or do you want to tell us about another one? Because they can narrate really succinctly. 
So we do, we do that. And then uh, roll back earlier in the session before the past life, we met with the guide. It's like, okay, is so-and-so all set to go with the guide? Or do you have any suggestions there? So they'll either give us a thumbs up or a little, little tip or technique there so that the person can connect with the guide on their own. Because you sure don't want to have to go back to me or any other practitioner to check in with your guides. That's just not practical. Mm. That's so... 30, 40 years ago <laughs> of, of, you know, having to go like and have this middleman and having to have the psychic tell you, um, you know, if you want to do that, that's great. I mean, I, I love getting, you know, quality messages from people I, I trust. You know, I have readings myself and, and I have my own past life regressions myself as the client. Um, and it's all very valuable to me, but I, I, I'm talking with my guides all day long. Um, and I want people, if they want to do that, to be able to do that too. And then I ask, is there any additional healing that's available mm. for this person right now? Because we've raised our vibration and frequency. We're up with the light. The world is our oyster. I mean, everything is possible. We can go to this magnificent garden or or waterfall, or whatever is right for that person. And so we either receive more healing or, or, or the, the guide or greater will just say it's not necessary. So then I ask them, okay, fine. Are we ready to go to the place of all knowledge? And that's the last stop on the train. And clients are able to write up to 20 questions before the session. I just send them a, a simple format, an email. What are your health questions, if any? Anything about finance, career, wealth, relationships, and then just the miscellaneous. So they've written their questions. And that's what we're asking in the place of all knowledge. Mm. So we go there. It includes, I call it the place of all knowledge versus the Akashic records because my mm. Personal belief is the Akashic records is the record of lives on earth. Mm. And I want to go to the master library because they, they may have incarnated on other planets. They may mm. have incarnated in other dimensions. Most of us have, you know, we're amazing energetic beings, magical beings, all the places and things that we've experienced and done. Um, so we have that full book of life brought forward if it's not already there waiting for them. And that's a lot of people's favorite moment too. Mm -hmm. And I may ask them to describe their book of life. And a lot of people say, oh my gosh, I had no idea it was so big and so beautiful. And a lot of people will describe and say that the edges of the book are, um, are gold, that they're like guilt um, or they'll just describe however it appears to them. And most are surprised by the size um, and the depth. And it's like, let's just give you a pat on the back because you've done this and been so brave uh, to incarnate so many times. So we then ask the questions that they posed. And usually it's the guide that comes in and answers those. It might be that librarian um, who brought us, brought us the book, or the person's own higher self can be their guide or might answer the questions there. Um, so it's just, it's just uh, lovely and varied. Um, as I said at the beginning, it's just, I never get bored because it's always um, wonderfully varied and always just perfect for that, that person.
So, and then we just wrap up by thanking everyone, uh, seeing if there's anything else to be communicated to that person that would be helpful to their life now, because I keep bringing it back to now and mm. what's going to be practical and helpful now. Um, and can we heal and release uh, whatever is not serving them? Can we go to the lifetime of origin if there is a problem um, with, with low back pain that just, you know, won't go away. Well, is there a reason for it? Um, you know, that, that we can find and that we can release, um, why are they not feeling supported, uh, in life is usually what back pain is about. Um, or, you know, uh, other, other things too, uh, like Louise Hayes book, if you're familiar with it, heal your body Yes, and it gets into the energetic and emotional reasons for physical, uh, physical pain or disease. And it's not a book you read. It's a reference book that you can look things up in. And I use it frequently in sessions with clients. I've got that book on my uh, desk and we'll just ask the person, does this resonate? Does this make sense? Do you think that might be part of what's going on? And then it's got the affirmations and perhaps the affirmation that's written there resonates for them. If it doesn't, uh, we just write one right on the spot. You know, if their guide says one would help with that. So that's how the sessions work. Wonderful. I, gosh, I felt like I was going on the journey with you as we were talking about it. It was so wonderful. Thank you for that. Oh, that's great. It well, was thank you. Beautifully articulated too. Um, Louise Hayes. I mean, gosh, pioneer in new thoughts. So that was just great to, to hear that reference. Absolutely. And yeah. I love how she was not deterred when she couldn't get her book published. She started Hay House Publishing herself uh, because sometimes, um, sometimes we have to build it. Sometimes we're meant to build it. Absolutely. And just, yeah, <laughs> props, props to props to you. Yeah. Just wonderful. So thank you for sharing that. That was a great nugget as well. I wanted to go back to, there was a, a point in time when you talked to right before, um, right before the, uh, the chakras, right. We're talking about elements, right? Yes. Talk about that balance. How would one go about trying to figure out if they had an imbalance? Sure. The way you will just simply know because life will be challenging. Mm. You may not know it's a fire or water imbalance or an earth or air imbalance. Um, let me let me take the earth and air because I think that one's easier to discern on your own. Uh, so, for instance, people once they hear the concept of being grounded, most people just know from their common sense if they tend to be really heady or really like up 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 in the clouds, um, and they just love. Uh, you know, being up with the angels or fantasizing or just, you know, have like this really rich tapestry up there, but um, they're, they might be having um, trouble manifesting in the physical and the 3D. They might have uh, health problems. They might have mobility problems. They might, uh, you know, be struggling, um, with, with walking and just, you know, being comfortable, let alone to be running, you know, versus that athlete, uh, you know, and I'm not saying necessarily professional, but just that person who's just so beautifully coordinated and just mm. really in their body. Maybe they're a dancer, you know, maybe they're just so fluid and beautiful with yoga 
or you know any type of physicality um, and and sports or, or making things with their hands it doesn't have to be sports either. Maybe they're a weaver or a knitter or you know um, make pottery, whatever. But they're really really beautifully in their body. So that's someone that might be able to tell pretty well um, what their earth energy is like versus their air energy. Um, and the air energy allows us to connect up with the divine um, too. So that the person who's just really in their body, but just they're like, oh gosh, I try and try, but I don't think I'm meditating right. Mm. Well, there is no meditating right or wrong. It's a practice. If you just got your thoughts and yourself to just, you know, kind of chill out and calm down and feel better after that five to 15 minute break, you did it right. <laughs> you that That's all it's meant to do is to just kind of help you center and just calm down that busy, busy left brain that we can kind of get stuck in when we've just got too many to-dos on the to-do list and are just, you know, running, running, running all the time. So I think the earth and air is easier to tell. Um, my, my fire and water was very, very out of balance. I had really? so much water naturally. Um, so it was hard for me to get projects to completion. Mm. It was hard. I was very excited to start them, but I knew, and I had a million ideas, but I knew I was a better starter than I was a finisher. <laughs> gotcha. So that's someone um, with, you know, kind of like low fire. And I also was going through this big stage of why am I so dang cold all the time? Mm. And I also was having problems with the furnace in my house. So look to your house, look to your home and your property. It will absolutely give you clues and be mirroring for you if things are not in balance, in balance for you. Mm. So just notice it. Um, and and think, gosh, I wonder if uh, you know this could be trying. Or your animals, if you have pets, yeah. uh, they will absolutely mirror for you too. Any health issue, your dog or cat or whatever animal has, ask yourself immediately: um, Do I have this going on? And make sure your animal's not trying to take it on for you. Oh yeah. I talk to my aunt because they are so big-hearted. Yep. Um, particularly dogs, cats seem to be better at cats can process force and they just flick whatever it is off their tail more. Um, cause they're like, Nope, that's not going to take me down. Right. <laughs> They've got the nine lives and they know how amazing they are. Whereas the dogs tend to be more all heart mm -hmm. and just how can I help you? How can I serve you? My wonderful human. So they can take on uh, cancer. They can take on all kinds of things. So I talk to uh, my animals and say, your job is to be happy and healthy. And I'm so glad you're here with me. And please just run your own energy. Mm. Don't try and run human energy because it can make you sick. Uh, my job is to run my own energy and your job <laughs> is to run your energy and we can be best pals doing it. I love that. What a great call out, you know, and I think it's, it's an oversight that a lot of us miss with our pets, you know, and, and it's something to really consider that our energy is just, you know, it's shared with our pets constantly. Yes. yes, 
Absolutely. Absolutely. Because we can spend more time with them than we do with humans and be more physical with them. Right. Um, you know, if you, if your cat just sleeps in your lap a lot, or, you know, it's just right by your side, or if you're out walking your dog a lot, or, you know, whatever, whatever it might be. Right on. Well, that was a great call out. Thank you for that. Um, Absolutely. I know um, a little bit, I, I had read a little bit that you had, you had some near death experiences. Is that correct? I did. Um, I had two in a single week back in, I uh, would have been August of 1997 oh. uh, when I was pregnant with my youngest daughter. Um, so that um, turned out to be a very uplifting experience for me, very insightful, because in summary, I got to meet my angels for the first time. And I had not had a sense of guides or angels around me like that since I was a child. I've kind of pushed it away because I did have that sense under five. Because um, many of us do. And, you know, the imaginary friend may very well be a guide mm. or may very well be an ancestor or someone that's passed on that's there just really taking care of you and helping helping you. Um so to see angels and experience angels come in and for them to help me get help when I was hemorrhaging at home alone and to literally save my life, that was a really, really big deal. And I felt so much more loved and supported in life after that. And that would have happened. Let's see, I would have been... Um, 36 at the time. So that was, that was an epiphany. And the, um, so that was, that was the first one. And that's what got me to, to the hospital. Mm. Um, and then the second one was a few days later, I was hospitalized because they could not figure out what the source of the bleeding was. Cause I had this major bleed going on and they're just hanging bag after bag, um, transfusing me, but can't get the bleeding to stop. So I think it was the third or fourth day I finally agreed to surgery um, because I was officially bleeding out at that point. They just couldn't, couldn't transfuse enough because I'd been resisting because I'm thinking, can I heal this? Is, you know, we, we don't know. Was this gallbladder? I, I, I had the sense an organ had burst mm. and that was exactly what had happened. Oh, but we gosh. didn't know it was my uterus. It was the top of the uterus and it's called the fundus, mm. F-U-N-D-U-S. It's an aorta. So that's why there was such um, a massive amount. And, but I'd been resisting surgery. Uh, hello, I'm pregnant mm. and I've already getting transfusions. Hello, you know, not oh. indicated morphine. Hello. Mm. So I'm already really, um, concerned about what's needing to be done um, to, to keep me alive. And I'm just trying to, you know, send love to this tiny little 10 week fetus um, and to heal myself. But um, I, 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 I understood. Um, I, I knew, I knew I was leaving the planet and I was concerned. I didn't care because uh, I could feel myself more and more, um, just passing out, just becoming unconscious. It just was so peaceful, so restful. And I noticed that the nurses and the doctors and anyone that came in to talk, I noticed it was, they were practically like having to like shake me to get me to 
focus. And then I would like drift off in the middle. It's like, okay, clearly I'm, I'm leaving. So um, the question of whether I want to go or stay was obviously on the table. And what happened was once I agreed to have the surgery, I'm just trying to relax after dinner. I'm trying to visualize the best possible outcome. Mm -hmm. And the minute I did that, I popped right out of my body. I'm alone in my hospital room, still being transfused. It's maybe six o'clock in the evening. And it felt so great to be out of my body. I was like, yay, no more pain, no more awful infusing going on. Just no more worries. It just felt great. And I remember feeling like more and more like myself, as I'm moving back into pure soul form hmm. and I'm like rising up, I can see all this white light up above me from the hospital ceiling. Um, and I look back over my shoulder at my body and I'm like, Oh, she's fine. I can just leave her there. And I'm like, why am I referring to myself in third person? That's a little disturbing. I was pretty detached from that mm. hot mess in the bed. <laughs> <laughs> I, I did look and think, oh my gosh, she's whiter than the sheets. Um, wow. she, 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 she's officially, she's bleeding out. You can clearly see that. Uh, but I just wanted to explore. I thought she's fine. <laughs> she's fine. She's going to have surgery tomorrow morning. She's fine. All right. I'm just, I, I just wanted to follow the light. So mm. I went up and up and like burst out of the hospital um, up above the building. And then I had this moment I didn't know very much at all about NDEs, but evidently it's worked its way into pop culture that most people go through a tunnel. Mm. And I remember thinking, oh, please don't make me walk through that long tunnel. I'm too tired. I will not make it. And the minute I thought that, this beautiful escalator came in for me instead with just all this light around it. It's pristine. There's no one else on it. I'm like, oh, thank you. I can just get on this escalator. So we just create what we need. Mm -hmm. So I just went up and up and up on this beautiful escalator. And at the top of it, the moment I stepped off the escalator, there was this welcoming committee. And the angels that had been in my bathroom that had interceded a few days earlier and saved my life and got me to the phone so I could call for help to get to the hospital, they were there. All four of my grandparents were there, which I thought was fascinating. I knew my mom's parents well, and they'd passed on. I was so thrilled to be reuniting with them, but I'd never met my dad's parents because wow. they had died before I was born, but I knew exactly who they were. And there were other people there too. There were about 20 of them wow. and they all just gave me this group hug. And it just was amazing because it was unconditional love. And we don't get to feel that very often on earth, if at all. So that was a big deal. So I encourage everyone, learn how to give that to yourself because it's really, really important. And don't be looking, you know, externally. Don't expect Jerry Maguire. Oh, you complete me. Wrong. <laughs> Codependent. <laughs> <laughs> right. But just getting that Look, it was such a big deal. 
And the same uh, male angel that had been in my bathroom that had told me I had to call for help immediately or I was going to go home, he told me, oh, well, Wendy, you're so welcome to be at home. We're so happy to have you here with us. You've done nothing wrong and you can absolutely stay. It's your choice. But if you want to return, you're going to need to choose quickly because that oh. body in the bed is not going to be viable for long with you up here at home. Right. So here's what I can tell you. I can tell you if you choose to go back, again, it's your choice. If you choose to go back, you will have a successful surgery tomorrow. You will fully recover and regain your health. And number two, you will have... Um, a healthy baby. Your baby will be born healthy. And the third thing I can tell you is you are likely going to struggle mightily for many years because you're not on your path. So immediately, of course, I said, oh, thank you. This is so helpful to know these three things. I said, well, what is my path? My gosh, I've got to get on my path. That's terrible. Right. I'm in my mid-30s. I'm not on my path. <laughs> Come what on. Is my path? What am I supposed to be doing? Please tell me. I'm so appreciative of this opportunity. And he just shook his head and would not tell me. And so I'm looking around at all the others. I'm like, oh, come on. Someone's got to give. <laughs> There's always one chatty Kathy in the group, right? I just yeah. have to find that person. And then they all started being silly with me. They would either just shake their head really playfully or they were putting duct tape over their mouth. Some of them were like putting lock and key and like throwing away the key. I'm like, okay, I need to just settle down. Uh, they're, they're not supposed to tell me. I need to figure that out for myself. And but it, it just was such a gift. And the minute he asked me, what do you choose? What do you want to do? All I could see was my toddler's face mm. because we had an 18 month old. And I thought, oh, I am absolutely going back for my children. Right. Um, and to know that I'm going to be healthy and that I'm going to have a healthy baby as well as I already have my, my older daughter, I, I'm going back. So they said, wonderful, you can do it. We believe in you. And they gave me another group hug. Mm. And the second time they did it, I caught on. It wasn't just unconditional love they were giving me and healing. They were giving me energy. And there was this massive download of energy because my tanks were below empty. I don't think I would have survived the surgery otherwise. Wow. So they just gave me that that gift of I was going to be able to to go back and and figure it out um, and have my have my children and just figure out what am I missing about this life purpose and life path and everything they said was true um, it came uh, started coming true pretty quickly because I recouped at home for six weeks uh, it was a pretty pretty major recovery. Um, and then I went back to work, a job I loved. I'd been there three years, great performance evaluations. Everyone's thrilled to have me back. I'm so happy <laughs> to be back at work. That goes on for about six weeks. And then I get called into my boss's office on Friday afternoon. Don't think a thing about it. Figured he just wants to say, have a great weekend or chit chat about what we're going to do on the weekend. Don't think a thing about it until I walk into his office 
and I see his face and I see human resources sitting there with the personnel file and I just see how dejected they look. And there's so many studies that prove it is harder to lay off someone than it is to be laid off. Mm. Uh, But I took that lay off hard because I'm pregnant. I carry the health insurance from the entire family. And I now have to interview while I'm pregnant and while I'm still recovering from these near-death experiences. My gosh. So I was not a happy camper. So I, I do the best I can, though. You know, I, I depart on, on great terms. I've got great references. I file for unemployment. I start looking for a job. I negotiated outplacement assistance. So, you know, I've set myself up as well as well as I can. One week later to the day after my layoff, my husband comes home from work really late, and he looks like he's got the world, the weight of the world on his shoulders. And I looked at him. I said, what's wrong? Are you okay? My goodness. And he said, sit down. We need to talk. And I was like, oh, my gosh, what's wrong? And he lets me know that his software company, which he was one of five owners in, I had been doing quite well. It had tanked very suddenly. And he tells me, we just went to Payless Paydays. We laid off almost everyone in the company. And I'm going to be working incredibly long hours because I have to fulfill the contracts we've already charged for and sold. And we don't have any programmers left. And I have to figure out, you know, we've got to figure out, can we sell the company? What do we do about our lease? There's just so many things to do. So I'm going to be working really, really long hours and you're going to need to figure it out on the home front. So I'm looking at it and I'm still going back and forth, payless payday, payless payday. I'm like, what does that mean? That does not compute. (laughs) Right. Payless payday. That's not a word. That's not a thing. And he's trying to explain to me again, I will be going to work every day, all day, very long hours, there will be no paycheck for it. I'm like, oh, payless payday. Okay, I get it now. I hate it, but I get it now. (laughs) (laughs) And I said to him, well, please, I know you need to breathe. I know it's just all happening so fast. I'm so sorry because it's your company. It's your big love of having been able to do this. Uh, Can you please at least file for unemployment on Monday and get that going. Mm. Um, And he just looks at me blankly and says, I'm not going to qualify for unemployment. There is no unemployment for me because I was self-employed and we made a decision uh, that it was too expensive. So we don't, we didn't, we didn't pick it up for ourselves. Mm. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, I wish we had talked about this. So the, the division between the two of us is just kind of, you know, starting, starting to, to grow. Um, and, uh, it just, it just really was some very, very hard times. Uh, we almost lost our house. Our van was almost repossessed. We were thankfully saved by bank of mom, uh, because I could not get loans. I could not refinance things. I tried and tried many things. I've got an MBA. My ex-husband's got an MBA in finance. It's not like we weren't sophisticated with 
trying to do these things, but there just there just weren't any options. It was welcome to the recession of 19, uh, late 1997. And that joke about it's recession when your neighbor's out of work, it's a depression when you're the one out of work. Mm-hmm. Well, try doing it with both of you, with me pregnant and with no health insurance either for oh. us. So it was it was a pretty deep dive and the angels were so right. They were so right. But we just have, you know, had to keep climbing our way out of it bit by bit the best we could. And my mom, um, thankfully, um, paid our most urgent bills for us um, once we had maxed out our our cards uh, and used up our our savings. Um, So she kindly um, stepped to the plate, which was a lot of sacrifice and I'm sure scary for her. Um, So but it it allowed us to keep our home and, and keep our van. And um, our baby was then born, born healthy. Our second daughter was born healthy in March of 1998, mm. just like the angels said. <laughs> and I did regain my health. And three months later, um, I went back to work. And right the weekend um, that our youngest was born, my husband was able to finally sell his company and they moved into a new employment situation. So it was literally the weekend she was born. And then I was like, oh, oh, oh my gosh. Wow. Now that I've got like a brand new infant and a two-year-old. Wow. And now you're gone off in your new job. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. There wasn't like a little paternity leave in there. <laughs> it wasn't because he had just wow. been straight out, you know, from November when his company went down to when our daughter was born in just 80 hour weeks and wow. then went, you know, straight into the new, the new job that we were grateful for. Very grateful. Yeah. for. So, wow. But that's, that's what happened. Um, and then when I brought my daughter home from the hospital, I had only been home at, you know, 24 hours stay. Um, I, I, I do not appreciate those. <laughs> I think people, if they want to have a little bit longer stay, should be able to, to have it. But it, it was it was the time period they called them uh, drive drive through deliveries. Um, oh boy! Practically, that that's what insurance approved. Mm-hmm. Um, I was thankful we were able to get some insurance, um, but it, it gave me a twenty four hour stay, including labor. Well, oh, you can labor wow. for. 12 to 24 hours. Right. But anyway, um, you know, grateful she was born and, and I go home and just to be looking at her and to have her be born healthy after having had that near death experience with her and having gone through, as I said, the transfusions and the morphine and just so many things to look at that healthy baby. I was over the moon and we'd also had years of infertility and I'd had two ectopic pregnancies. So our children were very hard earned. Mm. Uh, we were very, very, very grateful for them. Um, but the moment I was just really finally relaxing and alone with her, nursing her, holding her, I heard um, that same voice, which I learned years later, it was Archangel Michael. And what he said was, your contract with your husband is complete. And I just felt this chill go down my whole back because I knew what he meant by that was the marriage was over. And I'm like, what the heck? Do I not get to catch my breath here? I'm holding this newborn 
you know, he's just barely back to work. You know, I'm still recovering. Um, you know, we, we've got finances are in chaos. Uh, I'm like, oh my gosh. So what happened was we did our very best. Uh, we stayed together for another six years. Wow. And then we did divorce when the, the girls were six and eight and just starting school um, because we thought that would be, I thought there's no we in it. It was, it was me. Um, that that would be the best time because they were both going to be in school full time. And my mom um, ended up, she had retired by that point. I'm the only child. She was in Boston. We were in Seattle. Uh, So only child, only grandchildren. So she wonderfully moved out here. And I give her so much credit because she was very clear. And she said, I'm here to help the family. I'm here to help both of you. And we did a 50-50 residential schedule. So if my ex-husband needed help and he just, you know, couldn't pick them up on time, she would do the pickup for him or she would do the pickup for me. So she was like this neutral party that helped glue it together mm-hmm. of two busy, busy working parents and, and two wonderful little girls going back and forth between two homes. So the grandma glue... I was very, very, very appreciated (laughs) by the entire family. And she was just like that neutral place where they could go after school and, you know, have homework supervised and, you know, bake cookies. And they got to do sports that they weren't able to do before because she Uh could derive them to those. So she just added a lot to all of our lives and is very, very grateful. We were all very grateful for it. Uh So. That's what happened. And then the next um, big phase came and I had to uh, uh, kind of reinvent my career. It always worked full time, um, but just it was time for a new a new phase. Uh, right when the divorce came, uh, just a lot of um, drama. The astrology must have been fascinating at that time <laughs> because what happened was literally my mom and I decided to purchase an older home together um, to build our duplex because it had an empty back lot mm. and we had gotten something as close to um, my former former husband's location he stayed in our our um, our, our home um, because we wanted to keep the girls school the same and just sure. keep as many things the same as possible for them so my mother and I are literally closing on this new house with this empty back lot to build our duplex on and that day, I get laid off again. <laughs> oh my gosh. And I'm like, this is not possible. This is unbelievable. So I'm literally sitting in the driveway at the new home, waiting for the closing to take place. And I'm thinking, I know the bank checked everything on Wednesday, and I was still employed on Wednesday. Are they going to do one more check? Because if they do, this loan is not going to go through because I'm now unemployed and my mother's retired. Right. And I'm also thinking, do I want it to go through? Do I have the guts to totally step into the unknown of a divorce, a new home, you know, sharing the home, trying to build the new home? And I have no job. (laughs) 
do I have, you know, the courage to do this? So I did get out a paper bag and breathe into it for the first time in my life. It's like, I think I'm having a panic attack. (laughs) And no one would blame you. (laughs) But it's like, no, my intuition is move forward, move forward, Mm. move forward. And the bank didn't, the lender didn't check. They didn't check again that day. So the angels decided that was our house. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And we, we moved forward with it and we were able over time to, um, to, to build the duplex and, which just worked out so, uh, so beautifully. And we still, my mother and I still live in it today. No kidding. So, yes. And my daughters are now uh, 26. The oldest is in veterinary school. She's in her third of four years in veterinary school. And my youngest is finishing her engineering degree. So, so just feel very, very fortunate. Absolutely. Um, And then the, the other curveball that came along the way with really waking up spiritually was what happened was when my daughters were uh, 12 and 14. So we had been, we had been divorced for about six years. That's when I finally felt ready to uh, go out there and meet someone new because I had the great job. The kids were doing great. We were in the new home. You know, everything had just been rebuilt really well. I felt like I had all the bases covered. And that's when I went on uh, and I'm like, oh my gosh, how do you meet someone nowadays? I have no idea. You know, I haven't been on a date in 25 years. I was married for 15 years and then raising kids. I have no idea. So I asked my younger girlfriends because that was a reasonable <laughs> approach. I'm like, how do you meet? I'm like not meeting anybody via church or, you know, I don't have time to go to a bunch of meetups. Like, how, how do you do this? <laughs> not getting introductions through friends. You're none of the normal ways um, that that used to be the way you met people right. were, were working. And my um, girlfriend said, well, you go on a dating app. You go on match.com. I'm like, match.who? What, what are you talking about? I didn't know what they were. Um, this was, this would have been uh, 2000. It doesn't matter the year, um, but 11 years ago. So she helps me put together a profile and, you know, I have some, I have some good experiences, some not good experiences. It's a, it's a real kind of a real, real mixed bag, but I kind of get my, my feet, feet back under me. And I had put the uh, on match at that time, you were a, it was 2010 at that time you were able to put in um, the distance that you were looking to match within, like from your home or your office. So I had put in this really tight radius of five miles because there were a lot of people on match at that time. So I was able to put it, you know, that, that tight tightly. And I just, I six months or so had gone by and it's like, okay, I feel like I've met everyone. I'm just not, not clicking the minute I changed the radius, because I was hearing my guidance, just increase your radius, change your radius to 10 miles was the next. The minute I changed it to that, this profile immediately came up. It was the first profile I saw. And I'm like, I know this man. I know this man. And I was reading it. And it was like he was speaking to my soul. Hmm. And I knew how he wrote, I knew what he, not, and it was not in any way trite. It was not in any way repetitive. There was nothing wrong with it. It was quite the opposite. It was just, it had such a deep familiarity for me 
that I did not expect and could not understand. And the last thing he wrote in it, I'm sure was in no one else's dating profile ever, (laughs) was any woman on a spiritual path, particularly one interested in an LBL, we have to meet. So I'm looking at it thinking, LBL, LBL, why? What does that mean? So I'm Googling. Luckily, I found the right reference, Life Between Lives, Dr. Michael Newton's spiritual regression where you go home. And to my amazement and delight, I would learn how to facilitate between live sessions years later. But I I wrote to him and just said very honestly, I wouldn't describe myself as on a spiritual path. But now that you're raising this question, I said, does LBL mean life between lives? Are you referring to Dr. Michael Newton's journey of souls? Because that's the reference I get as I'm Googling this. And this is so interesting. I ordered the book. I'm waiting for the book to come. And he said, yes. And he explained he was getting ready to go for his second LBL and he'd had other past life regressions. So it took us about three weeks to meet, just you know, busy schedules. Sure. So we agreed to meet um, at my favorite um, Indian Mediterranean restaurant that was near my office and near his home because he worked from home. So that was our like our best meeting point. So we meet for lunch and same thing. The minute he walks in, I have never reacted like this to anyone in my life. I'm sitting in the, the foyer uh, waiting and I'm sitting on this little little bench and you know kind of looking toward the door kind of looking at my watch and cuz you know it's it's I'm at work you know <laughs> you have so many so much time for lunch and the minute he walked in I just knew I knew him profoundly and I couldn't move I couldn't stand up that has never happened to me in my life and he came right over And he dropped down on his knee in front of me and was just looking right in my eyes and in my face. And he said, I know you. I know you. You've Mm. got to figure this out. And so we'd gone through kind of like via email and talking on the phone before we met. We had been trying to figure out where we'd lived, where we'd worked, where we'd gone to school, professional associate. We'd been like trying to figure out how we knew each other. But once we were in person, we said, we've known each other many times in past lives. We both understood what it was at that point. So he really helped wake me up spiritually and get me on that path. And then as I said earlier, got me to that first past life regression. He found the therapist for me, drove me to it, drove me to my first life between lives. All that was fantastic. That was the soul contract, the agreement before we incarnated, before we um, met that he would wake me up spiritually. Fantastic. Thank you. So grateful. The next contract was to break my heart repeatedly until I stood in my power fully without abusing it. I did not enjoy that contract, Mm -hmm. but it's a brilliant contract because it allowed me to transmute and resolve all my heartbreaker Mm -hmm. karma and all my karma around having abused my power. It was brilliant. It was brilliant. So we we dated. We were together for 13 months. And then he ended it. 
which was initially heartbreaking for me and turned out to, of course, be absolutely perfect. And I'm so uh, grateful for that part of the journey too, because we just did not align on some, some basic values. We mm. just could not, could not agree on some things um, that were just crucial to, to both of us. We did not agree on the concept of monogamy. Mm. Um, and that one, neither one of us was going to budge on that. Um, so we had to agree to, uh, to part. Um, but I was really, really very, very heartbroken and he was very sad and disappointed too. Uh, cause we both could feel there was also another contract that we were meant to marry later in life, um, mm. which it was, uh, I was late forties when we met, he was, I was 49, he was 57 and we both felt all the energy and we figured out we were meant to help others with their spiritual awakening and to do it as a couple. We were meant to publish together and to speak um, on radio and, and just, we could feel it all, but we just, we couldn't work out. Um, we couldn't work out the, the romantic partner piece. So let alone um, to, to get married or stay together long-term. So uh, what happened was I just was so heartbroken, uh, did not want to speak to him for several months, but then what started happening because we had so many friends in common by that time, it was amazing how many friends had, like, we had just built a network together of spiritual seekers. And what started happening was we just started bumping into each other in very remarkable ways if that ever happens to you. That mean doesn't mean resume the romance, mm. and that may not be the situation at all. But it doesn't. It just means you've got work to do with this person. Mm. If you just keep meeting in remarkable ways, pay attention and just ask yourself: Is there a lesson? Is there something more to do? And just just get that figured out because uh, mm. that will make life a lot easier. So we became spiritual seekers um, together. And we worked our way through. Uh, it ended up being a total of 21 lives together. Wow. So that was just a crazy number. I had never heard of anyone having this many lives with someone. And uh, some of them were just so um, profoundly uplifting and enjoyable. And some of them were absolutely horrible. <laughs> This is what soulmates are like. Mm -hmm. We pick the people that are going to help us learn our deepest lessons because that gives us the most opportunity to progress at the soul level. Right. But it's not nice. It's not fun. It's not easy having your heart broken. And then, of course, she's been on the other foot. I had done terrible things to him. Uh, so we needed to forgive each other. We needed to really forgive each other and get some sense of humor back into it. And we needed to also forgive ourselves mm. and then just figure out what's the work? What do we need to do for work here? How do we disentangle all this? Because there were so many chords. There was so much karma. And that really got me on the spiritual path because it wasn't just me needing to go for past life regressions. It was, I went to an astrologer. I went to a spiritual numerologist. I worked with an angel healer. I did human design. I mean, it just got me into 
so many of the things because I needed answers. And he did some of it too. And then we always just shared it openly with each other and just tried to stay out of our egos. Mm. So to just be really balanced about it and say, well, here's what I learned. Um, you know, what do you think? Uh, how, what, what do we, how, well, how do we up-level from this? Again, we had taken off the table that we were not going to be trying to get back together because we knew it wasn't going to work. So once we took that off the table, it, it, it allowed us to do our work. Makes sense. I mean, it's a, such a mature approach to it, obviously, spiritually mature, as well as just emotionally mature as well. Oh, I, thank you. I appreciate that. Overall, that was true. I'm glad you didn't see the number of Kleenex I went through and the two-year-old temper tantrums that I threw because the pillows that I punched. <laughs> right. Because it just, it was really, really hard. <laughs> but you can't, you can't be in a, you can't be in a relationship together when you're trying to change the other person. And we were both trying to change the other person because we so wanted to be together. So, but we just, we just couldn't, um, like I said, just that core, that core value around monogamy. It just, it just couldn't change it. It's an important one. (laughs) Yeah. You've got to, you've got to, you've got to have your, your beliefs and your principles. And they just, they just didn't align. Uh, We also didn't know that he was going through his Saturn return uh, right when we met because he was 57. And I didn't know what that was. Mm. Our Saturn returns occur between 28 and 30. And then between like 57 or 58 and 60, when Saturn's all the way back (laughs) in the sky, where it was when you were first born, it's that big taskmaster. So anything you haven't been getting done, it's going to come up in big ways. And all he wanted was to really be free. He wanted to be a world traveler. That's what he's meant to be doing. Mm. Um, And he had been twice divorced and he had not only put his own two sons through college, he'd fostered three other boys. He was just done with raising family. And here I was with two girls, 12 and 14. I just was in a different, a different stage. And he really wanted and needed to free bird it. Mm. And I was ready to nest again. And I was ready to settle in and was just so thrilled to have this soul connection. And the communication we had was the best of my life. I think he, he would say, he did tell me that multiple times. It's the best communication he'd ever had. We just finished each other's sentences. It was quite remarkable. I think it was a shorthand because we've been together so many times and there was a lot of telepathy. We had dream synchronicity too. We would dream the same dream the same night, even when we weren't together. So that's part of why I was so heartbroken when the romance didn't, you know, didn't keep didn't keep going. But as I said, it was a blessing. And I'm so glad that, you know, he moved on with what he was meant to be doing because his job at home, when he's not incarnated, he helps people choose where they're going to incarnate geographically. He's been to over a hundred countries in this lifetime. He's trying to get to all 200 that the UN recognizes as a country. And to be able to advise people because, you know, we choose our lives, what parents, where and when, because that Mm -hmm. determines our astrology and what lessons we want to work on. Mm -hmm. And he counsels people on the other side. 
well, gee, you say you want to work on this and you're choosing Ghana. Let me tell you what Ghana is really like. Mm. And let's see how that might fit, you know, with your goals. And of course the guides are in there helping with it all. So finally, when I realized what he did on the other side, I said, oh my gosh, you're, you're, you're a travel agent. <laughs> you're like the amazing version of a, of a spiritual travel agent. And my job at home for eons before I became a guide was I worked on the Akashic records. So he's like, well, Wendy, you're just a librarian. It's actually perfect. And it's not just a, no. but it's perfect. It's perfect because this avid reader and writer and love to get resources for people. It's a librarian. <laughs> and you can see how that then morphs to a guide over time. Wow. So. It's amazing. But that's, that's been the journey. And I'm sorry, that was so not sequential. It just was it's how wonderful. the story came out. I love that. It means so much that you were able to share that with us. So thank you. Wow. I just, and you have such a way with how you describe it because you took you right there with you on each journey. And I, I felt in those moments, I was feeling some of that heartache and some of that like frustration with you. And, and I can understand I've, I've been in, you know, toxic relationships where, you know, I was married to somebody and I had to get out of the situation, but there were lessons in that for, for me to learn and for, them to learn as well too. So I, absolutely, you know, it's, it's one of those things where you have to learn to look for those lessons and accept yes. them as the blessings and how you can grow. Just keep looking for the higher ground. How can you rebuild on a higher ground Absolutely, and use that Phoenix energy? Like Harry Potter was so horrified that uh, professor Dumbledore's Phoenix burst into flames when Harry walked by it, he's like, oh my gosh, I killed the bird. Right. No, it was at the end of its life cycle. And it, you know, so quickly. So just like, you can use that Phoenix energy. It's like the um, resurrection flame and just keep using that to move up. I love the book, The Seven Sacred Flames by Aurelia Louise Jones. And she explains the seven different sacred flames, including the violet flame that we can use to transmute things. Um, the green ray of healing. Um, so there's just so much of uh, the flame of illumination. Mm. Uh, there's just so much um, in that book. It's really a beautiful, beautiful book um, to, to just be able to dig into things like that. Absolutely. And you but that's some... great. I'm, oh, sorry, I'm sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, and you have some books as well too. I do. Um, I have, I was so stuck. I was so stubborn. I did not want to write books and my guides just kept pushing me and encouraging me and trying to help me. And finally, um, I don't want to use the term tricked because that's not right. <laughs> um, I'd call it maybe more of a beautiful end run. They got around my self-limiting beliefs of I'm too busy. I don't know how to do it. Who's going to want to read it anyway? They got through all that clutter. I don't have time. They got through all that clutter. And the mm. way they did it, again, was with that soulmate. And he uh, is an accomplished uh, writer um, and screenwriter. So he already had that background and was kept, just kept encouraging me. He said, Wendy, you're supposed to be writing. I just keep hearing that and feeling that I know you're supposed to be writing. But I was still in the 
grumpy place of we're not writing together. I don't mm. get it, you know, because mm. I thought that meant literally write books together. I didn't realize it meant I would help him get published mm. and he would actually end up giving me my first book. And the way that happened was I did, I facilitated a past life regression for him. And what a beautiful circle that was completing, you know, here he'd driven me and found my first therapist for me for those things. And now a couple of years later, I'm doing a session for him because he had serious, significant pain from a lifetime as an athlete mm. and adventurer and just, you know, different things. So it had all, he'd broken his neck had it surgically repaired, but that's a big deal. And I could just see how much, uh, you know, pain he had just from tight shoulders and neck and tight upper back. So I asked him, I said, would you like to do a session? Um, You know, now I've worked with about, you know, 24 people or so. Would you like to uh, be one of my, one of my clients? And he said, yes, let's do that. Um, And then what happened was he had this profound four and a half hour session which he thought lasted about two hours. That's one of the measures of a good session because when people really lose track of time like that, that means they're on the other side a lot Mm. uh, because time is differently there because there is no time. It's a timeless, spaceless place at home. But what happened, fortunately, my guides warned me and I listened and they told me before the session, this is going to be the most difficult session of your life. And there's so much energy between the two of you. You need to have two sources of recording it in case one of them fails. So I've got my, you know, new MP3 recorder with me. We're in person. This is years ago before it's, you know, Zoom and audio files. And we're in person. So I've got, I know it's working perfectly. It's got new batteries, tested it that morning. And I also had this brand new, uh, um, fancy dancy iPhone that I like barely know how to use at the time, but I had managed to find the recorder on it and I pushed record. So I've got two recorders uh, next to him and we have this whole session and it's profound. He went back to three lives and a lot of detail as a huntsman, as a Lord High Mayor, and as a World War II soldier. And I kept looking for the source of the neck pain. I'm thinking, hmm, I don't know that we've found that yet because I was expecting more, um, I'm sorry, this is a bit graphic, um, more of like a beheading or a hanging type of thing. It's just try and keep a sense of humor. No one gets out alive. We we all end in one way or another. We've been on every side of the coin. We've had every kind of imaginable experience Mm -hmm. because that's how our soul learns, but nothing like that had come up. So I asked his higher self in the session, did we to the source of the have we healed it you know have do we get to the source of the the neck pain and the tight right. shoulders etc and he said no you have to go the lifetime of origin i'm like well, what have we been doing for the last four hours <laughs> so i said well go there now <laughs> absolutely go there now we're here for a reason right. and he went then into these two gnarly uh, past lives that were really difficult to witness and listen to um, because he was being tortured oh. and I did not enjoy it. <laughs> he was much more blase about it. It was quite interesting. And that's what my guides had meant. And they had told me it would be the most difficult session for me because uh, this was a man I, I deeply loved right. um, and to be going through this. 
And then to find out the identity of those involved, I enjoyed even less. I'll just leave it at that. Gotcha. So, but he was able to get a marvelous uh, healing from it and to maintain that for, for years. Uh, I had asked him at the beginning of it, you know, pain scale of zero to 10, zero, no pain, 10 worst pain of your life. Where are you most days with this neck pain and this, this, um, upper, upper back pain. And he said, about a seven to eight most days, usually an eight. It's like, oh my goodness, that is life limiting. No wonder. And he just hadn't wanted to take pain medication for it because he knew that was masking it. Mm -hmm. And he'd been doing everything appropriate. He'd been doing stretching exercises. He'd been doing massage. You know, he'd gone to chiropractors. He did acupuncture. So this was really like the last tool in the tool belt to do the past life regression. We got to the lifetimes of origin. There were two of them. Uh, It was not the three he had detailed early. So we took care of it late, late in the session. Uh, And what had been causing the pain was he had not forgiven the people that had harmed him, that had tortured him, that had been so cruel to him. And when he did that and said, oh, my gosh, this was so long ago, I need to just let this go. And he had he had the maturity and he knew he says, we've all been in, you know, I've been the torturer, too. I mean, he he completely got all those pieces. He says, I just need to forgive. Mm. Um, I need to forgive these two people. Um, one of them is his mother today. So think what a relationship that's made for. And they have an amazing relationship, but it's very complex. So um, that was just, that was just a big deal. But then, so we we wrap up this session and I go to uh, move the, his recording onto his computer for him um, from my MP3 recorder. There's nothing on the recorder. And I'm like, Oh no, I can't possibly recreate all this for him, even though I'm taking notes and it's not going to be the same as him hearing it in his own voice, hearing, because he connected with his higher self for the first time. And he connected with his guides more powerfully than he ever had before. He hadn't had those connections. And I thought, you don't want to be told about those things. You want to feel them. So I'm like, Oh, please let it be on my iPhone. So I pushed the button on my iPhone again, like barely know how to use this utility and we can hear it. And I'm like, Oh, there's this little scroll bar. I can like push it. Oh, yep. It's there. Yep. It's there. Yep. It's there. And so it's like the whole thing is there, but I can't get it off the iPhone. There's no way to transfer it. So I'm like, Oh, I'm so sorry. I can't give you your, rec- I can't leave my phone with you. I can't give right. you your recording. So I'll go to the phone store tomorrow on lunch break. I'll, I'll ask Verizon to help me. So I go to Verizon and I tell them I have this confidential um, four and a half hour recording and I just need them to help me get it off there. Like tell me how to get it onto a computer or onto a flash drive, or I just need to export it somehow. Right. And they take it and they start playing it. And they're like, how did you get a four and a half hour recording on here? That's not, this phone isn't capable of that. You can't record that long. And I I knew it was angels were helping us. But what that does, I now have no way to share the information with him. And he really needs it. And I really want to give it to him. 
So I'm like, oh my gosh, what do I do? They can't get the recording off the phone. I thought, okay, I said, I'm just going to type this like quick and dirty transcript. I'll just have to listen to the recording and type it. And I'll just, you know, put your name, my name, quick and dirty, whatever. It's not going to be formatted nicely. (laughs) And he's like, oh my gosh, I'd really appreciate that. That would be fantastic. Please, if it's not too much trouble, if you would do that for me. So I do this for about two hours on a Saturday and I'm like, oh, I need to take a break. And I like scroll back up to the beginning of my Word document and I'm like, wait a minute, this has a title on it. It has my name as author and it has chapters and it has a note to myself to add a resource guide at the end on forgiveness. This is a book. This is my first book. I'm finally, because I had been off writing fiction. Mm. I had literally just this outpouring of 1200 pages of fiction had come out of me in like a two year period. And I didn't know what to do with it because it was too big and too much. And I wasn't a trained writer. So I had just like shoved it all on the computer and saved it. And just, I was like, I don't know what to do with it. Uh, It's harder to write fiction than it is to write nonfiction for most people. And I just simply used his session because it was so powerful, you know, of course, completely blinded his identity like I do with anyone in any of my books or or interviews. And I gave him the book um, to read. I sent him the, the Word document and said, what do you want me to do? Do you just want it for yourself? And he said, oh my God, will you please publish this woman? <laughs> I've been telling you and telling you, you're meant to write a book. He's like, I feel like the sweat is off my brow from right. getting you to finally. Pu-. So we did, we wrote books together. And then he helped me with my second book too. So I helped him with two and he helped me with two. It just wasn't the literal way I thought of writing them together like a combined book was what I thought that meant. And what I was so upset about, we weren't doing. You just need to relax. There's another way. There's a different way. Yes. It just takes some, you know, time to realize what your guides meant. And, you know, they're just like reassembling the puzzle pieces and just figuring out a new way. Because if it's part of your purpose and you're willing to live your purpose and just be in your heart the best you can, it's just going to flow out one way or another. Um, so that's that's how the first book, um, Regression Healing One, um, The Huntsman, The Lord High Mayor, and The World War II Soldier, that's how it came to be. So it's available on Amazon. And then I also recorded it as an audio book. I did that with both of the books. And the second book is The Flow One uh, Plymouth Plantation, Mm. which I wrote as historic fiction. But surprise, it's my past life um, at at Plymouth Plantation. And I just could not get rid of that life. I couldn't release the energy from it. So there's an astonishing cast of characters Mm. of people that I recognize. There's about 15 of them that were at Plymouth with me in what's now Massachusetts um, in the 1600s that are in my life again now, because they all came in and said, girl, you've got to take care of this ghost from Plymouth because she's just haunting you and you're not dealing with your stuff. So all these people came in, including my cat. I actually had the same cat for 20 years in this life that was with me at Plymouth. 
So uh, again, the animals are just so uh, loving and helpful and wise. My gosh, I love that. And that one's also available on Amazon as well? Yes, both on Amazon and both on Audible. So if you simply, if you look uh, for me on Amazon under my full name, Wendy Rose Williams, um, or on Audible, um, you'll find them there. Awesome. And where can folks find you on the internet? On the internet, uh, via my full name on my website, which is wendyrosewilliams.com. And you're so welcome uh, to request a complimentary 15-minute phone appointment with me there and just see if I might be of service and just talk through uh, whatever you'd like to work on and however I might be of service. I love that. And do you have anything coming up? Anything soon? Uh... Yes. uh, I podcast twice a month uh, with a wonderful friend uh, named Greg Kirk. And wakingupspiritually.com uh, is the, as the uh, website location for our podcast. You can go on the podcast apps too or on YouTube uh, and look for Waking Up Spiritually. And twice a month, second and fourth um, um, Saturdays, we're on there. We do it live. We oh, also awesome. do it in Facebook as a Facebook Live. The group is the same name. And we also do it with PowerPoints. So it's fine if you just want to listen, uh, but it's only so interesting looking at two talking heads. Um, so we, we we do PowerPoints for most of them and just put in some visuals and some images to help make it more interesting and bring the points home for the people that do like to, you know, watch and, mm. and listen and consume their media that way. That's awesome. So twice a month. Twice a month. Awesome. Yes. That is great. And uh, can folks find you like Instagram as well or anything like that? I'm also on Instagram. Uh, you're mostly going to see a lot of dogs because <laughs> I love to, um, I love to work with the dog on Seattle uh, rescue. I volunteer Aww. and foster for them. And I just gave myself the wonderful gift this summer for my birthday of, I, I um, adopted my first ever dog as an adult. So I have Henley, uh, with me, with me now. She's a, she's now 10 months old and she's a black lab mix. Oh, awesome. wonderful world citizen, 12 breeds. I had her DNA done 12. Wow. Breeds. <laughs> That's incredible. So great, great uh, world citizen there. Mm-hmm. And uh, I have a little uh, 10, 10 week old that I'm fostering oh. right now too. So uh, Instagram's not a lot of business um, and Facebook. <laughs> you're welcome to find me on Facebook under my full name. And there it's just, just keeping it real. It's a total mix of spiritual and real life and a lot of dogs. Right on <laughs> animals. <laughs> yes. They make the world go round. Yes. Yes. Uh, well, Wendy, thank you so much for doing this. I cannot thank you enough. This has just been a delight. So Well, it's my absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for hosting and for everything that you're doing and for your perfect questions and just being such a a great listener and and holding the space for uh, this uh, long and complex story of the last 10 or 11 years of of waking up spiritually um, and then linking it back to that near-death experience. Oh, I love it. And I appreciate you sharing because I feel like there are folks that can take something from that and apply it to their life. And it's just, I I appreciate what you're doing. So thank you so much. Well, thank you. And there you have it. I really enjoyed my conversation with Wendy. I truly appreciate her sharing such personal, touching stories about her near-death experiences and those angelic encounters. We talked about Wendy's books, Aggression Healing One, The Huntsman, The Lord High Mayor, and The World War II Soldier. 
and The Flow One at Plymouth Plantation, a historical fiction that she based on one of her own past lives. You can find Wendy's books on either Amazon or Audible and be on the lookout for her forthcoming book, Regression Healing 2, Joe and Marilyn. You can find Wendy at wendyrosewilliams.com. You can even request a complimentary 15-minute reading there as well from Wendy. And be sure to check out her podcast that she co-hosts at wakingupspiritually.com. Be sure to follow Wendy on either Facebook or Instagram. If you're listening to this podcast, take a moment and rate it. If you're watching this, be sure to hit that like button, subscribe to the channel, and hit that notification bell to find out about new episodes that are coming out. You can find us on Instagram at itd.jcosta, as well as on Twitter at itd underscore jcosta. Until next time, take care of one another and keep thinking for yourself.